World School Wonders Podcast, take one. Okay, here we go. Can we do this in one take? No. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> uh, my over-under is three takes. Why, really? Yeah. No. World School Wonders Podcast, take two. Okay. We may be here for a while. <laughs> Dude, put down the tablet. I will be right there. Tom can bail you Leave out. Me alone. <laughs> World School Wonders Podcast, take three. All right, we got distractions and kids taking showers, but we got to just do this thing. All right, let's get it done. Hey everyone, welcome back or welcome to the World School Wonders podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Jack. And we're two crazy kids from the U.S. who've redefined work and school for our family and are traveling around the world for a year. And now I have John Mellencamp stuck in my head. What John Mellencamp? A little ditty about Jack and <laughs> Diane. All right, this is part two of our Best of Times and Worst of Times podcast about long-term travel. We started off last week sharing the worst of times because we wanted to get the negativity out of the way. So today we have a list of six things that represent the best parts of long-term travel, or stated differently, slow travel, which is actually a thing. Jack, you have a definition you want to read from the internet. That's right. So slow travel is a movement, and it's there's an art to it, which I didn't realize. Uh, And so the definition of slow travel is an approach to travel that emphasizes connection to local people, cultures, food, and music. It relies on the idea that a trip is meant to educate and to have an emotional impact in the present moment and for the future while remaining sustainable for local communities and the environment. Or as I like to say, it's when the digital nomads spend more than three consecutive days at the same Starbucks. No, because the best places to travel are those places that don't have a Starbucks. You're going to have to tell that to the digital nomads. (laughs) Or you. Or maybe don't, so that they don't ruin it for the rest of us. (laughs) Well, that definition actually plays perfectly into the number one thing that is on our list of the best things about long-term travel. And it's probably more applicable for me than it is you. But the number one thing is no more FOMO. FOMO stands for fear of missing out. And this is a condition, or I think as Jack would call it, an affliction that I've had my entire life, or at least the whole time we've been traveling together. Yeah, Nikki tends to overschedule a little bit. So for an example, we we spent a week in Italy, four days in Rome, and, and uh, the rest of our trip um, either traveling or in Venice. But during that four-day trip to Rome, we had a guided tour of the entire city. We had a cooking class one evening. We had gladiator school. So it would be great, and the whole notion of slow travel is to do those four things, but to do it over four weeks and not over four days. I, what can I say? I love to go, go, go. Uh, also planning for kids. I think sometimes I feel like we've got to have something next on the agenda. I don't like for our kids to be stuck in front of screens, which is something they do when their little hands are idle. And so I like to kind of keep the activities going, but I get it. It is exhausting. And the cool thing about slow travel is that you have time to slow down and you don't have to enjoy the pace or don't have to <laughs> endure the pace. I enjoy the pace. You might endure the pace of rushing from one amazing experience to the next. Yeah. So this is kind of like that Ted Nugent concert series, the intensity in 10 cities by slowing down, you're able to actually enjoy it more rather than just putting a check in the box. So the number two thing on our list 
is it is less stressful before, during, and after the trip. And we'll talk about each one of those. Now, I know that might be a little counterintuitive because of last week's podcast talking about the stress of preparing for long-term travel, but truly it is that is short-lived in the whole grand scheme of things. The before part, I could co- I could go either way on that. It's stressful for different reasons, which we went into last week. Well, for me, the before... The difference in the stress before the trip is not only are you trying to pack and, you know, shut off the mail and, and who's going to water your house plants and all that kind of crazy stuff, but you're also trying to plan this amazing experience. I guess it kind of ties to my FOMO mentality because when we went to Morocco, I remember staying up to like one or two in the morning researching excursion options and putting together PowerPoint presentations so the kids, I could kind of show the kids, Hey, you can do this or that and let them have some input. And that was really stressful. That's true. And we didn't know if we were going on a trip to the desert or whether we were going to the mountains, like right up to the very end. And so perhaps the whole notion of having to pre-plan an entire week is offset by the stress of having to pack for three months. Maybe it's a wash. I don't know. Okay. You, I, you could, I could go either way. Well, with slow travel, the cool thing is that you don't have to figure out what you're going to see and do. You you get to your destination and you have time to meet locals and ask questions about what you can potentially see. You learn about things that aren't on TripAdvisor and that's probably the best part. So, okay. So the during stress during the trip, um, as Jack was saying, you know, I have a tendency to overschedule things. I don't feel that compulsion now. And so we actually have time to I mean, not that we schedule it, but we can afford time to have a week of just doing nothing. And the kids have a home base to to recharge their batteries. So when they want some screen time or to talk to their friends, we have time built into the schedule for that. And we also have time to to do things like research a destination before we go so we can go onto YouTube and figure out all there is to know about that place before we just show up and take the guided tour. So the after, when it comes to the stress after, we can't really comment because we'll have to let you know, but I'm anticipating that we will actually feel rested. I never feel rested after our vacation. No, we always joke about needing a vacation after the vacation, but it's always because we do. We run, run, run. We rush. We we fly from here to there and then from there to here and we overschedule. And this is much more like a normal pace of life that one would have just, you know, a normal existence when you wake up in the morning, you go through a routine, except that, you know, we're in a, we're in obviously a, a different environment, but, but it still seems a little more like home. Yeah. And I have a feeling speaking of home that, uh, we are, there are things that we miss about our home. And so I'm anticipating that we're going to have much more grace about the, you know, 47 DIY projects that we want to do that we either have started, but haven't finished. Uh, I'm sure the kids will be far more gracious about slower internet because at least Tom (laughs) will be back in touch with his friends on Fortnite. So, okay. So let's move on to number three, number three on our list. And Jack will kind of break this down is slow travel is actually cheaper than short-term travel. Yeah, here's a good example. You you folks have probably seen our, our pictures of the beach of Samil. Um, you can take a cab from our house to Samil for about 600 lek, about $6. Or, and what we found out from the locals is the bus to Samil stops literally in front of our apartment and it only costs a dollar. We would never have known that if we'd have just been in town for a week. Right. No, that's absolutely right. 
But there's, it goes even beyond that. Um, because you can tie into a local community because they realize you're going to be here for a little longer than just for the week, you get a lot of insights into where to shop, what to buy, who to talk to about you know different things. And it's just you get the inside scoop. And, and even the locals treat you more like, um, like a local when you tell them you're going to be here for three months versus a week. And, and every local I've met has asked me within the first two or three minutes how long we're staying. So they, it does matter and they do care. So, okay, number four on our list is it's healthier. And I have a little caveat about this because it might be healthier, but first you have to get out of your, hey, I'm on vacation. I can eat or drink anything I want mode. Well, that's right. You know, we went through that when we first landed. We ate in restaurants two or three times a day and we had gelato every day. Now we're down to every other day. And <laughs> <laughs> One scoop or two scoops, Jack. That's right. um, but, you know, it, it does, you the uh, the vegetables here at the market are amazing. They're all locally grown. There's so much healthy food to eat that we've really cut back on how often we eat in restaurants. So we're saving money and we're eating healthier. There's there's good in that with the, for the kids too, because now we can eat like locals. We get to try local dishes like we had Slovakia yesterday, which for those of you who don't know is kind of like a gyro with French fries rolled up into a cone. It's all in there. They yeah. put everything, <laughs> just stuff it full. You got your tzatziki and your meat or no meat if you're Emma and, uh, you know, salad and French fries. Like they roll yeah. it all up yeah. with the French fries inside. Why it's not? Like, it's like a big, uh, it's like a Euro waffle cone. List, well, <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're less than $2 a piece. So, you know, eating like, eating like a local is a good thing. Yeah. So, okay. Number five on the list, you can get to know the locals. And this is, this has been one of the cool parts about this as we are in a, the kids and I are taking a local Albanian language class, right? Obviously for English speakers. And we got to know the, not only the teacher, but her husband. Um, they've invited us over to their home to have tea and meet her mom. It's just a really cool opportunity to get to know people that, you know, when you're a tourist, you're just kind of passing through and, and nobody really takes an interest in you. That's right. And I want to say this too. The Albanian people are the most friendly, gracious people I think I've ever met. They are wonderful, wonderful folks. And if you ever get a chance to travel to, to Albania, please, please take advantage of that opportunity. I I told Jack last weekend, we were in a little town called Jirkaster, and we had only planned on being there for one night. So when we decided kind of Uh, on the spur of the moment that we wanted to stay a second night, we needed to find a place to stay because the hotel that we were in was booked. So we found this little bed and breakfast and it was owned by a family who was so attentive to making sure that we were enjoying the experience. They told us all about restoring the, the, the house that was the, the bed and breakfast and how his, her, the girl was telling us about how her grandfather helped her dad glue all of the car hand wood carving wooden, yeah, yeah, onto the ceiling and they had hand painted the walls. And she told us the history about, you know, back in the day, how the families would have used these rooms it was just, I felt like they really wanted us to kind of soak in the experience and, and, you know, they cared whether or not we were enjoying ourselves. Yeah. And it wasn't formulaic at all. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't seem like one of those bed and breakfasts where, you know, it's a cue scene too. We've been through this a thousand times. It, it, it was even, it was very genuine, even to the point where Emma wanted some cucumbers with 
with her breakfast and the the, uh, the, uh, the father of the family went to the market and bought a cucumber right. and brought it back I and sliced it for that. him. Yeah. And I, and that, you know, they're honestly, the only other country I've ever felt that way in was India. They have a similar sense of being so grateful that you're in their country and they, they want you to love it. And, uh, it's just, it's a cool, it's a really cool experience. An experience you wouldn't get if you had just been passing through. The other part about experiencing, um, local culture, I think, and this is something that I've always loved is the grocery stores. Like we, you know, goes back to being in, it's healthier and cheaper, right. To go shop in the grocery stores and not eat in restaurants. It is fascinating to me to see, you know, what people place an emphasis on. Like here we're in the Mediterranean and there's an entire aisle of, I swear to you, it is an aisle of probably 30 different options for olive oil. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing that freaked me out was there's another aisle of nothing but jams and preserves. I mean, every yeah, single fruit or vegetable you could you could make into a jam is on that shelf. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, they have preserves of things I didn't even know you could make preserves out of. And, you know, we only know that because we've hit, I mean, gosh, we've probably been in 10 different little markets because mm-hmm. they're everywhere. You know, when you're, when you're traveling quickly, you might go into a market and go, oh, this is interesting. This is what they call their cereal. Um, <laughs> or you just go straight to the beer and wine aisle. <laughs> That's what we always do. But, you know, when you are in the slow travel mindset, either we've learned that there are certain markets, like there's really only one store that we can get cheddar cheese in. So we have to go to the Big Alpha for that. And then there might be another market that's better for home goods. And so you tend to kind of have to shop around. And then certain places have better fresh vegetables or they have a different selection of vegetables because they have different farmers. But uh, yeah, you'd never learn that unless you talk to the locals and then just try out different places. Okay. So the last item on our list is one that I think is near and dear to both of us, maybe for different reasons. The beer and alcohol aisle? (laughs) Well, we get to spend so much more time with our kids. Which is why we go to the beer and alcohol aisle. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. You know, when, when you travel in this kind of fast mentality, right, everybody has the meltdown. Uh, I think slowing down kind of prevents that from happening. But, you know, there are those really tense times as a family when you're quickly traveling through a country that just we're all ready to go home and, and just be done. And we haven't experienced that. Yeah. So when, when, you're, when you're fast traveling, everyone, you know, is in a hurry. And inevitably with a family of four, one person is always going to be left behind or be, be pulled along right. because someone's always going to be in a bad mood. You know, when you're slow traveling, if someone gets up late, no worries. Uh, you know, if, if someone's uh, taking a little more time getting their stuff packed up, no worries. If you don't even get to it today, there's always tomorrow. That's right. That's and one right. of the great things, too, about getting to spend time with the kids is that um, that they also get time to, to spend with each other. And, again, our apartment has become more like a home. It's a place where they can recharge their batteries. We even go on trips on the weekends from here, from our apartment. So it it even seems more like home when we come back from those weekend trips to the oh, apartment we and go. So happy to be home after Jiracaster last we, weekend. We were, but you know, Jiracaster is this lovely mountain town. It's a UNESCO site. It's uh, all the homes are all stone, even the even the roof tiles. It's uh, and it's again. We went over there, and then when we came back, and we came over the mountain pass and saw the Mediterranean again, it was like, oh man, that's such a beautiful view. I'd forgotten in the last three days how awesome that is. I'm so glad to be home. 
And we take these walks with kids every day, whether we're walking into town to go to the store or, you know, walking to the local market right around the corner from us or language class. And they're just these little conversations that pop up, you know, they'll tell us what they're watching on YouTube or, you know, we talk about friends at home that we, you know, chatted with that we haven't chatted with in a while. I mean, it's, it's really sweet. And and not to say that we didn't chat like that when we were at home, but it was, no, there was a sense of distraction when you're at home and you're kind of in the middle of life. We did. I think we were always, I mean, we had those conversations, but I think they were rushed. Yeah, uh, and, absolutely. And, you know, the kids have gotten more free time, too. Emma started sewing more. She's made yeah. little coin purses and things. It's Her really cute. coin purses. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's she awesome. She signs them. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, and, you know, the kids, we, by the way, invited them to come and be on this podcast today. And when I, but I made the statement, you can only be on the podcast if you can talk about the best of times and not talk about the worst of times. And they looked at us and they're like, nope, we're good. Not sure I could say that truthfully. Yeah, so clearly we've got some work there to do. But I think that they do love it. I think that they they are definitely getting along better than they have been. Well, I mean, speaking of number three, knowing the locals, we've definitely gotten to know the owner of the gelato store down the street oh, from us. She loves that. They all love us when they see us coming. It's like, oh, what are you going to have today? And by the way, just for reference, the um, two scoops of gelato in a in a sugar waffle cone are ninety five cents American. So they're they're a dollar. It's they're pretty 100. crazy. <laughs> Yeah, we'll never like. eat gelato in America again. Why would you to. want to? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the other thing to note too is yes, we are spending more time with kids. Um, however, a little shout out back to our episode last week when you travel with Alexa. Uh, we've figured out that the kids can call us so we can leave them alone in the apartment. And if you know they run into any issue, they can call us. And as long as we don't stray too far, life is good. So Jack and I actually have a date night scheduled for this Friday. We're, That's right. It's a, it's a $10 per person wine tasting with wines coming from Italy. Yes. So um, we're looking forward to that. Yes, absolutely. It, that's going to be either the best of times or the worst of times, <laughs> depending on the quality of the wine. I don't know. We'll see. Well, it'll be an evening with locals and, uh, and of course, some other expats. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes. And, and before you call DFACS, also know, too, that our host lives right downstairs below us. So <laughs> yes. if the kids need anything, they don't have just Alexa. Well, and there's, there's the pack of dogs outside, too. I'm sure they'd run in <laughs> and Welcome them into the pack, exactly. <laughs> Mowgli style. <laughs> Well, everyone, that is our podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, check out our website at www.worldschoolfor4.com. That's www.worldschoolforfour.com. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your day. We'll see you next time.